0: Hey, let's give it up for our dads today. Happy Father's Day. We hope you feel special and blessed this morning and and have a great afternoon. If you've not called your dad yet, if he's still living, make a phone call today, talk to him and share some of the positive things or impacts that he's made in your life. If, if your father is gone already, I just encourage you to reflect on the incredible blessing that he was uh, in your life. You know, none of us would be who we are without the influence of our dads, right? And that's just how it is. And men, let me say this, Your kids are watching you for better or for worse. It sounds like a wedding, right? For better or for worse, your kids are watching you. Your spiritual life will be caught by your kids. In fact, it will be more caught than taught, right? Your spiritual life will teach them more on how to navigate life than just about anything else around them. Well, I've got two points of great news uh, this morning for you. And first of all, let me say this. Uh, We are one church in multiple locations. Actually, we have five campuses, one of them being our online campus. And many people, at least as many, probably more, will be watching our online campus this morning than combined together with the other four campuses But one of our campuses is in downtown Milwaukee. Uh, Life Center uses that campus. And today, they are working in a church that's experiencing renovation. Bricks and things, windows that have not been touched in 70 years are being replaced. In our downtown campus and we are making that better and better for expanding the kingdom of god seeing life change in downtown milwaukee and that's because of your generosity in fact pastor aaron said last week that we're investing a million dollars in the downtown milwaukee campus because we want to be a blessing in an area where life is really on the edge, where things are really happening, and it would be easy to say, oh, maybe we could cut back or cut corners. No way. We, we believe God wants to see lives changed, both here and in the downtown Milwaukee area. I'm also excited to say this and get ready to put your hands together. This week, we had an accepted offer on a building to purchase, right? So those of you who've been working and laboring for these years, we have an accepted offer on a building downtown. It's called The Core. Uh, currently, it's being used as a church. It seats about 300 people. It's really a cool facility, and uh, we just have to finalize the inspection. And so, continue to pray. I mean, stranger things have happened, but uh, you know, things can can get tripped up at the last moment. We don't expect that. Uh, we appreciate your continued prayers. We appreciate your continued stewardship. You know, being one church at four locations or five locations, including online, it's easy to think, well, life church will take care of it. But can I say something? We're life church. <laughs> there's no there's no mothership that takes care of anything. We take care of what God's doing in Appleton. And, and so I just encourage you to continue to be faithful with your prayers, your financial support, your service. And uh, if you want to get involved, we've got plenty of places for you to get involved. So uh, we continue a series this week called Reset. We started it last week. We've had a lot of time during COVID, during uh, work at home, teach at home, safer at home, all of this stuff, we've had a good opportunity to reflect on some things in, in our lives and just kind of step back and, and look and push reset. Reset, of course, means to go back to what was. So you set your alarm the same this week or the same today as you did yesterday, Or reset can also mean to create a change. So yesterday I had to be up at 7 o'clock and today I have to be up at 5 o'clock. So you reset to something new. And that's what we're hoping God will lead each of us to do during this COVID process. And last week we looked at the idea of reviewing our lives. As we reset, let's review, let's look back, let's inspect, let's evaluate or examine our lives. Maybe there are some things that we are doing that we need to keep doing. Maybe there are some things that we need to change as we review our lives. Maybe we notice some wrong habits. Maybe we've started to live without margin in our lives. Maybe we've started to live with no margin in our lives, and so we're in automatic crisis or ongoing crisis. Maybe we've made some mistakes or wrong decisions. Anybody made a wrong decision recently that you wish you could have back? Somebody's laughing in the front. I'm guessing a lot of them have happened recently. So, you know, this this idea of mistakes, wrong decisions, missteps, or even sin, right? We find ourselves sometimes even in the midst of sin, right? Sin simply is something that we do or don't do that displeases God, that God wants us to do or not to do. When you find yourself in these situations, you kind of have a choice to make. You can either feel remorse and just kind of wallow in your feelings, or you can change. Now, remorse really looks like one of two things. There's there's really, as I think about it, two aspects to remorse. One of them is condemnation, where this is from the enemy, and he wants you to think you're bad. He wants you to think you're unworthy. He wants you to think that, oh, no, you're too gone for God and all this kind of stuff, or you're so terrible, and he wants you to live thinking about how rotten you are and how you don't match up. Anybody ever go through that? I've gone through that many, many times. You make a mistake, you do something you wish you wouldn't do, and suddenly condemnation comes in. It presses you and you start feeling rotten. Your attitude gets bad. The other side of remorse is really conviction, where the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and he starts to draw you toward God. Condemnation, maybe I've told you before, always repels you from God. Conviction always draws you toward God. Both can potentially be a part of the process of remorse, but neither actually change your situation. Whatever you have reviewed, whatever you need to reset in your life, neither condemnation nor conviction can change your story. It only starts there, but then you have to make a decision to change. Now, I understand that you can't undo your past. And sometimes we have to face the reality that we've gone the wrong direction, done some things wrong. We have to face the fact that in some situation we're kind of guilty of of something. But again, how we let that speak to us and how we handle that between condemnation and conviction makes so much of a difference. But no matter what we're feeling, we can make a change. I find that people too often as they'll come into my office and they want to talk about something happening in their life and, and they need to to choose a direction, by the time they leave they still don't want to choose a direction. They just want to continue to talk about their situation, talk about where they are. Well, I'm willing to talk, but at some point you gotta put up or shut up and you gotta make a change and a decision to change. And I can't make that for you. You can't make that for me. Kristen can't make that for me. She tried recently by twisting my arm, but it didn't work. (laughs) She can't make that for me. I can't make that for her. You have to make a decision to change. And what does that process of change look like? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like a word that's used 101 times in the Bible. And that word is repentance. 101 times. Now, I, I have to be totally honest. The first couple years that I was in college, I did not listen a lot, okay? But I picked up one thing, and that was this. The professor would say, if I repeat myself between tests, you probably should pay attention, right? So if he says something two or three times, in other words, I just gave you an answer on my next exam. So 101 times in the Bible, the word repentance is used. Do you think maybe God wants us to understand something about this idea of repentance? And it simply means to turn or to change. You're going one direction and then you're going to turn and go another direction. But I would say this, if you're going to go another direction, you have to make a choice first. So maybe you're here today and you're really far from God. In fact, maybe you're here today and you say, I'm only here because my brother, sister, brother, aunt, you know, uncle, mom, dad, whatever. They, they, they kind of guilted me into coming. And maybe that's you today. That's fine. We're glad you're here but we want to present you with a God that can change your life if you decide to surrender to him. I don't. There are so many things that I don't know in life, but I know a God who lives and who brought about change in my life. So in the context of the Bible, a lot of times that word repentance is talking about my sin. But I think it's a lot more broad than that it can also be talking about things that are not necessarily sinful. They're just situations in our lives, maybe decisions that we need to make or have made that we need to to turn away from, go a different direction. So it can be about a number of things in our lives, including sin. We're going to do something today we don't do very often, and that is we're not just going to stay primarily in one text, We're going to move around today. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. It says this. This is powerful. Repent then and turn to God. In other words, you're going one direction. You're living for yourself. And he's saying, John is saying, now repent and turn to God. So, and this is so important, so that your sins may be wiped out. Forgiven. And that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. What a dynamic word. Repentance gets rid of the anxiety of sin and brings this freshness from God. Let me explain it to you this way. A number of years ago, I was living in the greater Green Bay area, and I met a young 20-something at a, at a place that I used to do business at. And and one evening, she was the only one working, and we started talking. And, of course, we knew each other a little bit, but she started to tell me her life story. And she was a young bisexual uh, girl, and she told me the story of how she met her current boyfriend that she was living with at a sex party. And she's going on, and she's, she's giving me way more details, you know, than I, than I need. And, and uh, as she's in her story, then she said this. She said, do you think I'm right? I'll never forget this. Well, excuse me, but what the heck are you asking me for? If you have it all figured out, right? But she didn't, and this is what I said to her. Now, be honest with me, Tara. Her name was Tara, and I said, be honest with me. When you put your head down on the pillow at night, if you're honest with me, you hear a voice that says, come a different direction. You're not going the way I want you to go. And she said, absolutely, I just do more stuff to drown it out. And I said, the difference in you and me is I don't hear that voice when I lay my head down on the pillow at night. Now, I may have a busy day, I may have details on my mind or whatever, but I don't have the heaviness of how I'm living taking away my strength, right? There's there's this refreshing sense that comes in repentance. I'm going away from God. God loves me all the time. I'm going away from God, and God is calling me, and when I surrender to that and say, okay, I'm going to change directions, God brings a refreshing that I've never experienced before. Oh, you still have to pay the bills. You still have to work things out with, with your significant other, your husband, your wife. You still have to, to learn things at school. You still have to do all of those normal things. But there's this refreshing that comes from the Lord. So you need, we need to turn. That's the first part about repentance. The second thing is this, you've got to change Romans 12, 2, don't be ashamed, or excuse me, don't be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Can I tell you, a lot of us have a perception that Christianity is about changing from the outside. If I bring enough change into my life, if I do the things that people say God likes, then eventually God will, will like me. My life will be uh, pleasing to him. And, and that's really what religion is about. And, and that's, why I don't, that's why I don't do it because I've got to change so much. No, it's not like that. You turn your mind and you say, i believe god for the first time in my life loves me and has something good for me and will bring refreshing if i surrender to him and then he will begin to change the desires of your heart that's why we don't need to stand up and we don't need to preach against this and against that and against all these things because when people surrender to god god begins to take them on a journey That's better than anything I could ever say. And it happens from within. This change takes place. How many of you have ever experienced something in your life or someone has told you, you need to change this. And you really don't want to. And part of the reason you don't want to is because somebody told you you have to. I'll never forget leading one of my friends to faith in Christ. And he said, I can't be a Christian. I said, why? And he he was a physician and he said, I believe in evolution. I said, I never saw anything in the Bible that said you can't believe in evolution. Go for it. (laughs) Just believe God created it all. And we started there. If I'd have said, nope, you got to leave that one at the door. You know, let's debate for a half hour, 50 minutes on all. No. Get Jesus in there, and Jesus will do the talking. That—that's what it's all about. That's how people change. In the context of life, it can be a decision, as I said, or sin. But regardless, repentance is all about change. So, how do you repent? First of all, admit it. First part of admitting it is confession. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful. And righteous are just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, if God's all-knowing, why do I have to confess? There's something in the confession that's for us. Right? The confession is for us. You ever do something as a kid and you, you apologize to your parent? You think they didn't know, like my dad, you think he didn't know I ever snuck out the basement window? (laughs) I mean, theoretically, hypothetically. And so when I apologized, I didn't bring him any news. The apology was for me. The apology was to reconcile me to my dad. You ever do, do you ever get angry with your husband or your wife and you say words you wish you could take back? Do you think they didn't hear them? No, they heard them. You were yelling right at them, you know. The apology is for your heart, your spirit, and to put you in a right place and to put me in a right place. And then we depend on God's goodness, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace or getting what you don't deserve, you're saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. This is not a game of comparison. It's not a gift that we work for because then we could say it's about us. But it's about God, it's about Jesus. So the first thing is you need to be honest with whatever this thing is that you need to change. Just admit it. It's so interesting to me, and I've been guilty of this over the years, hopefully less and less. You don't want people to see your flaws. Anybody walk up to somebody and the first thing you say to them is, hey, I'm really bad at this, right? No, we don't do that, right? We hope they don't see it for years. We don't want them to see our flaws. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it's healthy to acknowledge. And this is me. And God still loves me. That's the beauty of love. The beauty of love is not that you married someone who's perfect. The beauty of love is that through Christ, you love them in the midst of their imperfection. That's the beauty of love. Moving on, you have to quit it. End worldly connection. 2 Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness... With lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. Now, a lot of times this is talking about those people who are getting married and if you really want to serve God, it's really difficult to choose as a mate someone who does not want to serve God. That's just, that's just common sense. It's very difficult. It's going to hold you back in your faith. But it's even more broad than that. There are relationships that we have that we just have to begin to change, and it will help us quit some of the, the things that we're involved in, that we're struggling to quit. My best friend of nine years, I'll never forget the day I said, "Hey, I'm too weak to be going out and, and uh, you know with you to these places we've gone, because I know where I'm going to end up when I do." So I can't go anymore. What? Yeah. No, I can't go anymore. Because I'm changing my life for God. I'm going to follow God. But it's not just about quitting. It's not just about what you leave behind or sometimes who you leave behind. It's about establishing godly relationships. Listen to Acts chapter 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves, the Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You see, if you're going to quit some things that are unhealthy, you have got to begin to live with some new people. You've got to make some new friends. Now, we all have people who live contrary to us in our lives, but they can't be the people who have the greatest influence in our lives. There is not a mentor that I have in my life who does not think first about how God would want me to do this. Because there's a doctrine for everything, simply a teaching about God. Do you know that exercise. Do you know that sleep are listed in God's word? The psalmist said, I lie down and I get a good night's sleep and God gives me rest from the day. So there's a doctrine for everything. Are the people in your life helping you understand this word? You're going to leave some things and people behind. Establish new relationships For you young parents, I I just glanced at my son in law. I guess I get to preach at him this morning without preaching at him. So, you young parents, find somebody who's raised godly kids and be stuck to them like Velcro. Two people liked it. You young kids, you young people who have young kids, find somebody who's raised godly children because not every Christian has who've raised godly children and stick to them like Velcro. Amen? Right? That's one of the great things that God does. He takes these people who've gone before us, and He says, oh, sure, I'll help you. That's what people have done in our lives. And now, praise God, Kristen's old enough to do that for other people. (laughs) We are old enough to do that for other people. (laughs) That's what we want to do. How can we help lead into good things? Find people. You you guys who aren't married yet, don't just hang out with er, with couples. Hang out with Christian couples so they'll teach you what a godly marriage looks like. So you're going to leave some things and then you're going to establish new godly relationships. Finally, establish godly disciplines. Do you know the thing standing between you and your understanding of God's word is not time? You with me? The thing standing between you and me and our understanding of God's word and our communion with him is not our time. It's our discipline. They call them spiritual disciplines for a reason. Now, God loves me. Whether I get up tomorrow and read my Bible and spend prayer time, God loves me regardless. But how I grow and how I tap into the power of God is determined by these spiritual disciplines, by what I'm moving toward. So establish godly disciplines. The second overall thing we're going to do, So we're going, or the third, we're going to admit it, we're going to quit it, and now we're going to forget it. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So admit it, quit it, forget it, let it go. It's under the blood. My dad has a great saying, it's under the blood, son. I don't know why it always has to be directed at me. All those terrible things you did when you were a kid, it's under the blood. And I love that because I made some huge mistakes. I talked with my dad this morning telling him that I loved him. He's my hero. Happy Father's Day. We joked about a couple of these ridiculous things. And that's what he almost always says. Son, it's under the blood. I don't even remember what you're talking about. It's under the, just let it go. Accept God's forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that for some of us, it's harder to accept our own forgiveness than God's forgiveness? But it makes us look as though we don't accept God's forgiveness. And do you know what makes it difficult to forgive yourself? Pride. Super quiet in here. You could hear somebody yawn. Right? You're like, oh, I should have, I, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, I can, you're imperfect just like me. Forgive yourself and accept God's forgiveness and move on. Don't because because that'll affect your tomorrow, right? God is all about giving you a new tomorrow. The enemy wants you to carry yesterday's failure. That's not God. God says, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive your sin, and tomorrow's a new day. And let's go with him. So forsake that sin. Let it go. Accept God's forgiveness. And walk free of condemnation. Romans 8, 1, I love this. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? We, we talked about that at the beginning. The enemy wants you to walk around feeling the weight of every mistake you've ever made. Jesus died so you could leave that feeling, that weight at the cross. Don't live in your mistakes. Live in his success. Totally different concept. I want to talk quickly about some signs of repentance. Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 to 11. I'm not going to read it all, just verse 8. It says this. Do the things that show you really have changed your heart and your life. Do the things that show you really have changed your hearts and your lives. What a powerful scripture. What might some of those things be? Well, in verse 9, he talks about humility. Be humble. You see, he's referring here to the children of Israel, and they would say, well, Abraham was our father, and many of you would recognize the name Abraham. Out of him was formed the, the children of Israel, the Jews. And they would say, well, Abraham's our father, we're okay. And it doesn't work that way. Matthew's saying it does not work that way. It doesn't matter. Uh, It doesn't matter. Kristen's parents were in full-time ministry. Her, Her salvation, they don't have any control over where her heart is. She has to choose those things. She has to humbly come before the Lord and say, hey, I, I, I'm in need of a savior. I'm broken, and I need you to forgive me, and I need you to come into my life, and that takes humility. Verse 10 talks about urgency. The ax is now ready to cut down the trees. Urgency. Do you know that every person, it seems, who is walking in repentance and humility has Urgency. Like I gotta do, I I gotta do this. This is a pressing thing. This is not something I'm gonna wait for tomorrow to do. This is something I'm going to do today. This is this is a spirit I need to live today. If if you understand repentance, it's urgent. I need to make that decision. I need to make that change. I need to walk a different way today, not next week, not next month, not next year. I don't need to change my marriage next year. I don't need to change this this way of thinking that continually causes me to step in the same hole week after week after week. (coughs) I have a couple acres out in the middle of nowhere. That's why I could afford it. Nobody lives anywhere (laughs) around. Okay. And we have a woodchuck now. And he has dug a hole this big and this deep two and a half three feet deep in the middle of my driveway through the field and it's water gets in there and it goes downhill naturally and it's exploded a huge hole out the side of the hill so if I don't do something about that it'll create a a new ravine a big ditch before I knew that was there, I was driving down the driveway in a hurry. I went in that hole and I'm like, holy cow, what, what was that? I've never, right? Now, I should have learned something, right? I probably don't want to slam into that hole again. Some of us, our decisions are causing us to slam in the same hole day after day after day. And it's time, it's an, there's an urgency to create a change so that your life is on a different path. And it's urgent, it's very necessary. Whatever it is, in your marriage, your parenting, your walk with Christ. Verse 10 says this, the ax is gonna come and then the old branches will be thrown into the fire. So branches that don't grow the, the new fruit, new, new leaves on them. So change. Don't just talk about it, but have new growth. Finally, depend on Jesus. Verse 11, John said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's Jesus, of course. He's our only hope. He's our only hope. I highly value super intellectual people and list makers. I value them to the point where I married one, okay? I have a lot of value there. That's not me. I'm kind of a feeler, rallier, you know, whatever. But I know this, and our family's built on this, that Jesus is everything. That without him, we're lost. That without him, not only are we lost as individuals, but our family's lost. So I'm so thankful that there's change in Jesus Christ. I'm big on being real hard on myself when I make mistakes. Anybody else like that? I mean you just like to um, perfectionists are and that doesn't mean we do everything perfectly. That means we're we have this mentality uh, of trying to and being hard on yourself when you can't because it's ridiculous. Like no nobody can. And so Jesus changes that. Jesus is why you can say, you don't have to be that way and you don't have to wallow in your remorse because I've taken care of that for you. You don't have to wallow in that. You don't have to be miserable in that. So whatever mistakes you've made, whatever missteps you've made, maybe even whatever sin you've committed, let go of feeling remorse. Just change it through the presence and the power of God remember remorse never changes anyone only repentance brings change repentance says I'm not going to let what I did before stop me from doing what God wants me to do now I'm turning away from my sin or those decisions and I'm turning to God I just want to leave you with this thought these two thoughts you can't change your past only your future And you are not what you did. You are who God says you are. Just live like it. Just live like it. You're not what you did. You're who God says you are. I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you for your word. Wow, how rich it is, God. I thank you that you're more concerned with our future than our past the challenge is that as human beings we tend to fall in the same woodchuck hole day after day week after week year after year it's not your will it's not that you hate us for doing it it's that you have given us an opportunity to live differently You came that we might have life and life to the fullest and and falling in the same hole over and over and over again with greater and greater consequences the older we get. That's not what you offer us, God. You offer us something totally new. You offer us a new way of living. So God, I pray for people today. In fact, some are here and the new way of living starts with changing their mind on who you are, accepting you as their Lord and Savior, bringing you into their life, maybe for the very first time. I'd just like you all to close your eyes and just have your head bowed for a moment of silence, nothing special, nothing strange is going to happen. I'm just going to ask a question. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Dan, that's me. I need to, for the first time, change my mind on who God is and gain some understanding on how to live for him and, and have my life change for Him. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to have your face in my mind as I pray for you. That's you today. Just raise your hand and and I'll just have you in my mind as I pray. And then, Lord, there are others of us who, we know you, but we're not living in the fullness of what you have for us. There are some things we need to change, some mindsets, some behaviors, some habits. As we push reset, God, give us the strength and the ability to do it. And you're speaking to people's hearts, and, and, and they need to push reset, they need to make some changes going forward. If that's you, as we all have our eyes closed, just just raise your hand. I just want to know that I'm praying for you. Yes, yes. If that's you, just raise your hand. If it applies, yes, many. Lord, help us when we leave this place, not just to hear a good message, but to put reset and make a change to a new direction in these areas. The victory is not won in here. First of all, you already won it but we live it out when we leave here and go into the rest of our day and lives. Help us to do that, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for our church and in uh, bringing us to this accepted offer. And we just pray also that those details would go through. And, and uh, by the end of the summer, we would be worshiping in our own building, our own place, not because we worship buildings, but because they help facilitate the move of God and life change in people's lives. We love you. In Jesus' name. We're just gonna take these last few moments that we have together and worship. So if you'd like to stand, you can. And I invite you just to sing with us as we do this.